Well, good morning and welcome to Ritz and Road Alliance Church Online again this morning. I'm Chris Corbin and I have the incredible privilege of being the pastor here at this church. One of the things that I have enjoyed about this shift to church online has really been the invitation to come as you are. There's this freedom to worship wherever and whenever. We can get dressed up or we can come in our pajamas. We can watch from our kitchen tables or even our living rooms. And I believe that it's a time where God is extending this invitation to each one of us to simply come as we are. But our prayer for you this morning is that no matter how you come, that you would not leave the same. Our prayer is that during this service, you would have a real opportunity to connect with God in a, in a tangible and meaningful way, whether that's through worship, our kids' moment, or even the sermon, or the discussion questions that are going to come after. I believe that God wants to meet with each one of us, and that through your encounter with God this morning, your life would be transformed from the inside out. I wonder if I can I just take a moment to pray for you. So, Father God, I thank you that we are able to gather this morning. And I pray that through this service, we would have the opportunity to meet and connect with you. So we invite you to come and to speak to us this morning, Lord. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a term in theater production that is commonly used in comedy or speaking, and it's called a pregnant pause. It's a pause that gives the impression that it will be followed by something impactful or significant. And when it's used effectively, it creates in the listener a sense of expectation and anticipation. I've been slowly learning that there are moments in our lives that are essentially pregnant pauses. They are those moments that create in us a sense of expectation and anticipation for what's about to come. Last week I spoke about liminal spaces, which are the transformative transitional times between one place in time and the next. And while some pregnant pauses can certainly be liminal, meaning they can be a transformative time, other times these pauses are really not intended to transform us, as much as they are intended to silence and still us, and to stir in us an expectation of what is to come. There have been a number of significant pregnant pauses in the lives of God's people and over the history of the church. The people of Israel, for example, waited in slavery to Egypt for more than 400 years before Moses would come and deliver them. Then, after being conquered by their enemies and taken into captivity, the people of Israel ended up waiting more than 400 years for a savior. They waited for Jesus to come. And now as the church, we are waiting for the return of our Savior. All of these moments in the church have created this expectancy in the people of God. It's created an anticipation and a longing for God to move and to act. And I believe that it is part of our identity as followers of Jesus that we would in fact be known as expectant people. Over the past few weeks, we've been exploring that question of, who are you? And we've been walking through some of the truths of who we are as the followers of Jesus. We've explored the truths that through Jesus, we are the light of the world and we are friends of God. 
we've explored the truth that we are no longer slaves, but that we are free. And now this morning, we want to explore the truth that we are to be expectant people. This past Thursday was what is referred to in the Christian or the church calendar as the Day of Ascension. It commemorates the day when Jesus, after having risen from the dead and after spending time with his disciples, which was about 40 days, he ascends back up into heaven. And we're going to touch on that a little bit later this morning. But because Thursday was Ascension Thursday, that means that today we are one week before Pentecost. And Pentecost is the moment in church history where we find, which we find so amazingly described in the second book or the second chapter of the book of Acts, where the Spirit of God, or the Holy Spirit, is poured out on the disciples. It's this catalytic moment in the history of the church that really enables the disciples of Jesus to be able to boldly proclaim the life and the works and the kingdom of Jesus. And so this morning, we're going to take a peek into what takes place in the lives of the disciples really in the time between Jesus' ascension and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And then drawing from their experience, we are going to look at how we can actually be expectant people. And so this morning we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 1, and I invite you to turn there if you have your Bibles. Starting in verse 1, Luke, who is the author of this book, writes this. He says, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven and after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Luke, as he's addressing this book, is addressing it to someone named Theophilus. Now, we don't really know who this individual might have been. Some scholars think that he might have been a friend or a Gentile or perhaps a Roman or even a Roman centurion. But what I find interesting about it is that his name translated means God lover or lover of God. And so really it could apply to each and every person that has a love for God. And it's as if Luke was addressing it to you and to me personally. Luke then goes on to remind Theophilus that he had previously written to him all of the details of Jesus' life and teaching. And we know this to be the Gospel of Luke. And here he is reminding Theophilus of the truth that following Jesus' death and resurrection, he appeared multiple times to the disciples. He was giving them further instructions on what does it mean to live in the kingdom of God. And so he continues on and he says, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. And so Jesus says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist is, he's another one of those people in the narrative of God's kingdom that sometimes gets skipped over. But if you were to do a study on his life, you will learn that John was an expectant person. He preached repentance for the kingdom of God was at hand. And he did so with this anticipation that there was still one who was yet to come, 
who would actually baptize in the Holy Spirit and in fire. And so even before Jesus begins his ministry, we actually see John the Baptist preparing the people for this promised gift. In Matthew chapter 3, John says this, he says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with fire, with the Holy Spirit and with fire. John knew that what was coming in Jesus, and now here is Jesus, and he's telling the disciples to pause, to wait, to wait for the gift that the Father has promised. Wait for the baptism or the filling of the Holy Spirit. It's a significant thing that Jesus refers to the coming and the filling and the empowering of the Holy Spirit as a promised gift. It is something that we are called to wait for with eager expectation. Because it is a gift for each one of us. It is a gift for every believer and not just the early disciples. It is a gift for you, and it is a gift for me. Luke goes on to continue writing, and he says, Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? This is what they were really concerned about, and this is what all good Jewish people, or all the people of Israel, would have been concerned about at the time. Being under Roman rule, they, were, they cared about the restoration of the kingdom of Israel especially to its glory and its splendor that it once knew. But we're going to see in a moment that Jesus had a bigger kingdom in mind. More than just the kingdom of Israel, he wanted them to boldly proclaim his kingdom. And so he goes on to say this, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The question is, what were they waiting for? And we hear and we see that they are waiting for the Holy Spirit to come upon them. So that they can move in power and authority. So that they can be bold witnesses to God's kingdom everywhere. Have you noticed how Jesus keeps telling them to wait? He says, wait for the gift my Father has promised. Wait until the Holy Spirit comes on you. Are you allowing the words of Jesus to sink in? Do you hear those words in your own life? Wait for the filling of the Spirit. Don't rush out until you have that anointing. I remember hearing a comedian and I don't really remember which one he was, but he was talking about how we effectively use a pregnant pause. And he said this, he says, when you feel like you've waited long enough, wait a little bit longer. And then he went on to say, what feels like an eternity is just about the right amount of time. You know, far too often, whether it's in our excitement or whether it's out of our fear we rush to respond, or we rush out to do ministry. We want to rush into the next season of life. We rush into big decisions, uh, and we often rush out in our own strength and wisdom. And we really end up failing to wait and see what God is doing. 
We fail to wait for the Holy Spirit to fill us and to empower us for the tasks that he has placed in us and called us to do. I've been struck by this quote from Bernard of Clairvaux who wrote, You squander and lose what is meant to be your own. If before you are totally permeated by the infusion of the Holy Spirit, you rashly proceed to pour out your unfulfilled self upon others. I think he captures beautifully the truth that if we don't wait for the filling of the Holy Spirit, if we haven't cultivated the presence of Holy Spirit in our lives, and if we haven't received his blessing and his truth for ourselves, we really don't have much to offer. Pouring out ourselves for others when we are not yet filled really doesn't accomplish a whole lot. And so this is where the practices of silence and stillness and Sabbath are so vital. They provide spaces and place for us to cultivate an awareness of the presence of God. They provide an opportunity for us to wait upon the filling of Holy Spirit. Luke continues and he says, After he had said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid them from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men, dressed in white, stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Jesus is now ascended into heaven, and yet he promises to return one day. But there is a significance to his ascension in our lives as expectant people. And we can find it in Ephesians chapter 1, when we read Paul's words in verses 20 and 21, and he says, He raised Christ from the dead, and he seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. As my friend Doug would say, there is nothing that is not under the feet of Jesus. No pandemic, no economic system, no worldview, no magnitude of personal or societal brokenness. Jesus is over all. What's beautiful is if we continue to read in Paul's letter to the Ephesians, he goes on to say this, he says, And God raised us up with Christ, and he has seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. To live in the empowerment of Jesus is to recognize that we have been ascended with him, that our ascended life is the result of the filling and the indwelling of his Holy Spirit. Let me say that again for you. To live in the empowerment of Jesus is to recognize that we have been ascended with him, that our ascended life is the result of the filling and the indwelling of his Holy Spirit. When we are filled with the Spirit, we can expect God to empower us and equip us 
to do great things and to be bold witnesses. But let me ask you this question. Do you expect, are you, do you have this expectancy that when you wait upon God and as you invite his spirit to fill you, that God will actually show up and move in and through your life with power and authority? I have to confess that there have been times when I haven't lived with that kind of expectancy. I haven't expected God to show up in and through me. And yet this is the very life that God has called us to. This is what God longs to do in and through his followers. He longs to move. And so that is why we wait. That is why we wait with an expectancy because we long to see God move in power and authority. And that's just what we see the disciples doing. And it's the very thing that Jesus commanded them. And so they wait. But it wasn't just any kind of waiting. It says, Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives. A Sabbath day walked from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew. James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Do you hear that? They were all gathered in prayer. The disciples, the women, Jesus' whole family, they were there together. And they waited in prayer with expectancy. They were expectant people. And as we're going to see next week, the Spirit is poured out on all of them. The men and the women alike, God's blessing comes on each one of them. I think that the season that we are in is a gift. It has certainly been a difficult season, and, and for many it might continue to be difficult. But it is a gift in the sense that it has created an opportunity for us to pause. This is our pregnant pause. For us to grow in our expectancy. To make us expectant people who wait upon Holy Spirit. To come and fill us like he did those disciples at Pentecost. To empower us to strengthen us for this next season of head, so that we might bring glory and honor to him in everything we do. I wonder, do we long to see Jesus move in power? And do we long to see him move with authority through our lives? Are we willing to wait upon him with longing and expectancy? To wait in prayer for the Holy Spirit to move and to speak and to fill us to overflowing? Or are we so content that we just want to rush out in our unfulfilled selves? The disciples had seen Jesus work. They had heard his teachings. They had seen his miracles. They witnessed his death and his resurrection. And for these reasons and more, they believed by faith that what Jesus promised would come to pass, 
They were expectant people. And we too can believe by faith that what God has promised will come to pass. Because he is faithful. And because Jesus is faithful, we can be faithful and expectant. This morning, if you were longing for a fresh filling of the Spirit, I want to pray for you. Father, we know that you are a good God. And you long to give gifts to your followers and to your children. And so, Jesus, we come to you with humble hearts, longing to be filled by you, longing for more of your presence. So, Holy Spirit, would you come and would you anoint us afresh today? Or even for the first time, would you fill us to overflowing with your presence? We long for you. We wait for you. So come, Holy Spirit, and fill us now. And we pray all of this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Well, finally, I want to leave you with a few questions for reflection. And I want to actually give you some homework for next week. And so I invite you to take some time right now to pause and to sit with these questions. Maybe journal or share with your family your thoughts on how God has been stirring in your hearts this morning. And I bless you to be attentive to the leading of Holy Spirit.